Welcome to the Waybox Podcast. We'll be chatting to some of the most influential people in the UK health and fitness industry to bring you their story and their key messages. So, whether you're on the treadmill, commuting to work, or simply sitting at home, we hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Waybox Podcast. My name is Tally Rye and I'm here with Ben, the founder of Waybox. Hello. Ben, tell us a little bit about Waybox and what you do. We created Waybox because we wanted protein to be more convenient, more accessible and more engaging than ever before. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this podcast as well, because we're all about convenient consumption. We know that people might not be able to sit and watch a video or read a blog. So if you're on the way to work or if you're on a treadmill or if you walk in the dog, this is a nice way to get to know a little bit more about the people that you like to look at on your social media channels. And I am, in fact, a ambassador for Waybox. So I'm very happy to be involved and part of this little project and today we are interviewing not only a good friend of mine but also an incredible nutritionist Rhiannon Lambert welcome hello thank you for having me Tally Ben wow how exciting well we're honored you are here like I said you're an incredible nutritionist but I have a bit more of a formal introduction so I thought I would just introduce you Rhiannon Lambert is a leading Harley Street nutritionist she's a blogger an Instagram influencer and now an author I know. Wow. Does that sound about right? Thank you. That sounds incredible. <laughs> I miss some stuff. And it doesn't sound like me. Hell of a portfolio. <laughs> it sounds good. Thanks, Tally. No, you've like you've done so much. You're not. I mean, without revealing your age, you are pretty. You're doing very well. <laughs> yeah, good, good cover there. Don't even know how old I actually am. No. <laughs> Thank you. No, I do feel like I've had a lifetime of studying actually now. So to be where I am is, um, yeah, I'm very happy with where I'm currently at. And so for people who are listening to this podcast today, who might not be aware of Rhiannon or Retrition as known online um who are you where did you come from what do you do that is such a big question (laughs) that is a very big question um to summarize for everybody out there who doesn't know so i'm a registered associate nutritionist and that basically means i practice evidence-based nutrition and it wasn't always that way so i'm not from london originally um i'm from a place in the countryside from Wiltshire, to be specific, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous part of the UK. I miss it dearly. Um, But I moved at a very young age, um, about 16, from home, and my journey went from music to nutrition. I obviously know as a good friend of yours, but many people don't know that you grew up becoming a singer, wanting to be a singer. I know. It's... um... It was like living the dream as I was younger. <laughs> you know, everyone dreams of, oh, I want to be that person. My idols were like Sarah Brightman and people on the West End stage. And I thought, oh, I want to be Christine Dye in Phantom of the Opera. Mm. It was honestly the only thing I ever was confident in as a child. I mean, my parents are not musical. They can't sing a note. Nor is my sister. No offence if my sister's listening. <laughs> or my family. <laughs> they will admit this. Um, it's just something I always kind of had. And I started entering these uh, competitions when I was at school. I'm, I'm from this kind of area. My school doesn't exist now, just to let you guys know. It's been knocked down. It was oh, that really? bad. Um, well, I got a good education enough from it, I suppose, <laughs> <laughs> without dissing everything. But there's not really many opportunities where, where I was from originally, this lovely small town called Melksham. It's gorgeous, but... Um, I always dreamed of leaving and singing was actually my ticket out. I won a competition online with Classic FM when I was just turning 17. I'd had no training. I just listened to Strauss's laughing song. you had no training? No. Wow. I honestly was just listening and mimicking what I kind of heard. And I won Young Musician of the Year out of... I couldn't That's actually quite crazy, believe it. Yeah. It's mental. 
looking back, I can't quite believe it. And that's from... pure talent. That that, as I was saying earlier, that was actually my first introduction to you um, through Instagram yeah. when I clicked on one of your Instagram stories and you were singing. Yeah. And I was anticipating a recipe or yeah. something, or you know, like, hey guys, this is what I'm doing today. I'm going to the gym, and it was yeah, it was literally you belting yeah. out a tune. Yeah, I haven't left it behind. I still do sing professionally, but that was really my ticket. And I think singing makes people so happy. Mm. Um, well, it makes me happy. Not everyone has to listen if they don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but with Classic FM, I was so fortunate because I was given the opportunity to study at the Royal Academy of Music moving up to London. And I had to pay my own rent. I had to make my own way. So back then there was no social media. I had to hand out CVs on Oxford Street. I didn't know what else to do. So I literally went up Oxford Street into every single shop, handed out my CV, and I got two jobs. I was so proud. I got Options. offered... I know. Karen Millen or Accessorise. <laughs> they were two. I would have gone for Karen Millen. I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I went for Karen Millen. And that progressed into a career in Jaeger, actually. I used to run the Jaeger concession at the weekends and Karen Millen during the week whilst being signed to a record label from this competition with Classic FM. So I was working on song writing I met some incredible incredible musicians and people I had Coldplay's singing teacher you know Mary Hammond and I met some pretty awesome people did you release any records I have a lot of material which actually I'm not um, obliged to release because it's under contract so it's one of those things where I'm very proud of it I have a lot of songs that I've co-written with a lot of amazing people back then but now, unfortunately, it's like it's held in cyberspace. Really? Yeah, mm. it's a real shame. I've got copies at home, but it's not something I, I can put out. literally not allowed to public, commercially public. release no, it. Wow. No, not at all. But it was a very dark time, actually, the singing. I was going to say, the music industry, I know from we've spoken previously, mm. it was pretty tough on you. I mean, for body image and self-awareness, and that's something that's kind of brought me into where I am now, mm. it, was, it was awful. I wasn't nourishing myself. I believed at that point in time, which is terrible, but I thought to be a successful singer, I have to look a certain way, be a certain size. And I did have monthly check-ins and weigh-ins and things like that because it was seen as looking after your health. But actually that puts immense pressure on a 17, 18-year-old at that point in time. And I think I put a lot of the pressure on myself as well. And was that literally teachers or people like that making you check in once a month? Yeah, lots of people advising me, looking that were looking out for my best. Sort of advising interests. in the yeah, 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 yeah that, that subtle way. But in hindsight, you realise mm, in hindsight I realised it good was for your mental health. No, and I was being pitched as the next Catherine Jenkins. So when you've got that kind of, she's very a beautiful singer, but obviously a beautiful person inside and out, and you're looking at this kind of aesthetic as mm. a as a goal. And I would live off things like Weight Watchers products and I just bought into the diet industry. I completely, wholeheartedly believed that the diet industry was my answer to success. So from that experience in the music industry, what made you turn to nutrition? How did that come about? It was really a big turning point was when I went to my local GP because I felt so low in energy, low in mood. I was very, very miserable. You know, I've been trying to make it in this industry for about three years then and nothing was really kicking off. I'd been dropped by one label, picked up by Warner Brothers at the time and different projects were going on. And I went to the GP and they just said, oh, well, go on antidepressants and um, see how you go. That's the answer to everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And naively, obviously, I took them because as a young girl, you listen to your doctor, mm. don't you? And I, it's medical advice that it, yeah. you think you should trust. Yeah, medical advice that I, I was given. And of course, they were wrong. The answer was that I was malnourished and eating rubbish, not getting any mm. energy in from my diet. And 
I saw all my my friends were at university having fun. You know, they were going out and I'd see them on Facebook at the time because there was no Twitter or Instagram. And I was like, oh, I wish I was doing that. I was thinking, I want to study. You know, I, I'm, I am quite academic. I love testing my mind and I kind of miss that as much mm. as I love the singing. I miss challenging myself. So I thought, what else do I love and want to learn about here? I thought, well, food. And to be honest with you, it completely, it literally saved my life learning about nutrition. I enrolled in Roehampton University. There were only five unis in the country that did nutrition back then. Now it's like the most popular course I think you could probably do. It's insane how quickly it's grown. But it was an accredited course, which meant I was registered. And learning just empowered me. I discovered exactly where I was going wrong. I didn't need the antidepressants. And so you were still living in London at the time, did this all Mm. off your own back. And you're a mature student as well. I was. So I actually had to fund my whole education. So I was working night shifts at the library and I was still doing Jaeger at the weekends. And at that point I was working at the Royal Albert Hall as a steward um, from the age of 18. And I worked my way up into the box office as well. So in fact, I only finished working there this year. I, I didn't want to leave. amazing. <laughs> Talk about wearing many hats. Yeah. Well, it was something, I just love that building. In fact, the Royal Albert Hall has been the only place I can actually honestly call home because I've I've been there for about 10 years. And I know all the staff, you know, there's a lot of people that have been mm. there their whole lives and it's a lovely building. But big up the Albert Hall. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, knowing nutrition did literally save me and I learned about my body and what to do. And it, it was a struggle, Tally. Like, I mean... I was a musician. I was not scientifically gifted or mathematically that way at all. My brain does not function with numbers well. I was crying in the first few weeks thinking, no, I can't do this. I can't do a science degree. You know, I was calling my dad saying I want to quit. And I think being the underdog, it makes you work 10 times harder. Mm. There were all these young, like, new 18-year-old. Whippersnappers. <laughs> yeah, they were. Tons of whippersnappers with their hands up at every question. They could do every equation in biochemistry, immunology, they were nailing. And I felt like I was having to do extra studying 24-7 just to keep up with them. As well as maintaining all your part-time jobs. And the singing, yeah. Because at and that point, singing. I was still doing... I joined a girl group called Passionata at the time, the classical opera quartet. And I was so fortunate that some weekends I'd be going off to Singapore to do a gig wow. or Oman and... We played in some amazing places. So I was kind of maintaining these different lives. I hadn't given up on the singing whilst I was doing my nutrition degree. And you still haven't really given up on the singing in a way, have you? You still keep it there. Yeah, I think there's less pressure on me. I do it for fun now, which is such a difference to how it used to be. You know, I used to think, oh, all that pressure of releasing things and making it a career but now I think in terms of work-life balance as well it's so good to have a hobby and it's so good to yeah I mean your job day-to-day we'll get a bit into it but your job day-to-day is pretty intense it must be nice to have a bit of light relief um yes (laughs) 200% I mean even this morning I had a parent on the phone that called me about a child and it does get very intense there's a lot of emotional Mm. things involved with my job it's not just looking at food it's a big misconception with nutrition and I actually went on from the degree to do a master's degree as well after that looking into obesity because it's an area that I felt obviously at the moment we need to learn more about Mm. And that led me into the eating disorders. So, yeah, having something lighthearted, guys. Yes, it's good. (laughs) I think for every career, no matter what profession, you need a hobby. You do work in a clinic on Harley Street. How did you get there from leaving uh, your nutrition degree? Mm. Well, I actually started in the um, second year of my nutrition degree. 
I started to do loads of work experience and internships. I've always been a bit driven. I knew. <laughs> I think we might be able to pick that vibe up. Yeah, from, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just kind of, I think um, moving away from home so young made me realise that I can only really support myself, which, you know, I funded myself from a very young age. So I was out looking for opportunities and I managed to get this role with the Food Doctor Clinic. I had to email Alice, the girl that worked there, Alice McIntosh, six times before she said yes. Damn you, Alice. I know, I know. Six times before she took me on in the clinic. She doesn't regret it now, though, does she? No. <laughs> She's become a very dear friend. Um, and I think from working as a receptionist there in the clinic on Harley Street at the Food Doctor, I made a lot of contacts. And the minute I graduated, I asked Michael, the guy that ran it, I said, oh, Michael, please, can I work here as a nutritionist, please? And he let me, you know, take the role. And from that, I got approached to work in a GP clinic up the road in Harley Street. So I moved from the Food Doctor whilst doing my master's to something called the Rock Clinic, which is a private GP practice. And then from there, my client list was just building. And I think that's thanks to social media as well. Mm. But there was no Instagram at this point. Instagram's still pretty new for me. It's like two years now, a year and a half. Your profile's only a year and a half old? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. How That leads me on to my next question <laughs> really nicely. Because how has social media changed your career in nutrition? You've clearly got a lot more opportunities from it. Obviously, there's a book now. I know. Um, we don't know if that would have happened without social media, but... How has it changed? How has your how has your daily kind of work routine changed? Because I I think is it a lot more varied. Would you say it is a minefield? This social media world, like I absolutely love it. I can see so many positive changes have come from it for me. And um, so I was approached with the book deal when I had around seven thousand followers um, last October. So just over a year ago wow. now. And I think it was because I was already writing a lot for the press. Mm. So Lauren, my lovely editor at Yellow Kite, she, she saw an article I'd done in Sheer Lux and um, in the Daily Mail. And I think that she liked the style of writing because I'm pretty honest. You know, I'm not mm. going to buy into things and I'm pretty vocal about how I feel about diet culture from my own experiences and seeing the impact it has on people yep. every day in my clinic. Um, and yeah, she said, well, we need someone that's actually qualified in the industry because there have been a lot of people doing things that, that weren't at that point in time. And I got the book. And I think social media actually grew from maybe having the book and the opportunity. I think people started to see, oh, this girl really cares, you know, and she's really trying. And I got a lot of support. And also the information you're putting out mm. is clearly good and credible, well, which yeah. helps. And I think social media, it can be polarizing because for, for every sort of bad comment and but there's good comments so it just yeah. it's hard to sift through it all sometimes but it does give people a platform to put out a lot of good information but it I does also agree. open you up to a lot of criticism oh goodness yeah. and how how have you found that that i know i know you've had your fair bit of stuff going on online i have um it's really really interesting to me um because obviously i come from a place where perhaps i'm a bit naive with that i wear my heart on my sleeve just as much as I'll give out factual information and I only ever want to put things out there that I hope will help people. But everyone has an opinion and that's something that we have to respect. But often, yeah, I have been a victim to some trolling and things. What they As call your it. profile grows, mm. there's always going to be a small segment of people that disagree with what Definitely, you said. Definitely, just a bit jealous. <laughs> it's not been easy, but I've got good friends around me and people that really pick you up when that happens. And sometimes I just have to keep focused on, like Tally just said, my life has changed completely with social media now. I get to meet more people, give talks, and it's when you meet the people... And when, when I have them in clinic that I remember, hang on, it doesn't matter what these yeah. people online mm. think. You know, they're just keyboard warriors, whatever. They don't 
how there's a screen there blocking them from actually meeting me. But when yeah. I meet people in real life and you can see that the information I'm giving is making a difference, it just makes me feel 10 times happier. So, And I yeah. think that's the key with your success right now is that you are truly making a difference and your passion is so evident in everything you're doing because you want the best for p- other people. Um, and I think as someone who follows you and um, really admires your work, I think it's so clear to me and it draws me to you every time because I know that A, what you're saying is pretty, well, not pretty, is spot on. <laughs> yeah. um, and I know that Aww. with you, I'm going to get the nutrition answer that I want, but I also know I'm going to get it with someone who genuinely cares about what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, and I think that is lacking sometimes in the industry because you get a lot of people who are out there for themselves. Yeah, I think that's the really dangerous part as well. And I think because I work one-to-one with clients every day of mm. all ages, and I also have this psychological background. So I've done a diploma, um, well, a master's, master's in um, psychology around eating disorders. Till you know how it actually affects people and changes their life, one comment can actually ruin someone's entire day and maybe spiral and trigger onto something even worse. Do, do food know. choices, does that does a lot of that start from literally the top two inches and start from, from people's mental health? Um, I think food choices, this is the really interesting thing, the psychology of food. So I believe psychology and food work hand in hand. So you, you can't just tell someone, go away and eat something unless you understand their psychology of mm. why they make the choices they do. And often it stems back to their childhood and what we learn. I call it a food world or a food script. You know, maybe you always have dessert after dinner or maybe your parents always had this eggs and soldiers well, for like breakfast. Friday night morning. is takeaway night. Yeah, precisely. We create these kind of things as, as we grow older and the reasons as to why we make the choices we do. So psychology is huge when it comes to what we do and how healthy we are, I think. Your mind matters a lot. And it's something you incorporate quite a lot into a clinic as, as oh, well, isn't it? You have you have really? a psychologist there, don't you? Yeah, well, I work with a kind of triangle approach with my clients. So there's only so much I can do in the time I have around the nutrition. And I really, food also impacts mood, guys. And it's something I write about in my book immensely because different choices we make can impact different neurological mechanisms in the brain every single day. And I need a psychologist with certain eating disorder or disordered eating clients just as much as a doctor. And with that threefold approach, you can really get through because it enhances the speed that people can potentially recover. It's amazing. It's really exciting. And I Mm. think Renourish, the book Renourish, covers a lot of those topics. I know you've covered an awful lot of topics in the book, yeah. but um, I know you try and talk about um, obviously all the nutritional aspects, but also, yes. you know, touching on that mental health side as well. Yeah, I think mental health is absolutely massive and something people really should be more aware of. And um, I think they are becoming more aware yes. of it. This year, I feel like 2017 yeah. has been a huge yeah, we, year Yeah, we, we were saying health. earlier, weren't we, it seems like to be the next big wave. Yeah, um, good. to do with sleep Which is good. and mental yes. health. Yes, talk and, about yeah. these things. It has to, because I can only go from, obviously, even what I've experienced being younger mm. and being malnourished and going through that experience. People forget in this country that malnourishment is a problem whether you're overweight or underweight and people don't focus on the middle ground a lot as well. They forget it's either all or nothing and all or nothing is another mental health kind of mindset that we Similarly, all have. I guess you don't have to be overweight or underweight no. to not be feeling good either. You, no. know, you can look absolutely fine but shape. not functioning well at all because you're not getting enough sleep or you're not getting mm-hmm. the right food in your body so exactly. it doesn't really matter what you look like does it? I completely respect? agree. Health at any you can be healthy yeah. at any going- Size, yeah. Health doesn't look a certain way. No, or a number. And we've been fed that for so long through oh, the media. And I think that's why it's so good that yep. you do write for people like the Daily Mail because mm. I personally wouldn't be sitting here sh- singing their praises. But sometimes you've got to change it from the inside out. And I think it's positive yeah. that you're 
putting out factual information and Thanks. dispelling the myths and dispelling the diet culture um, well that's what it on. should be and that's what I really try and enforce in my clients everyone comes to me and they have a number in their head mm. of, that they want to reach or something if they I'm should be doing if I'm this number I'm going to be happy if I just need exactly. to lose five pounds yeah whereas obviously if you want to lose a bit of body fat that's absolutely fine but I differentiate between body fat and weight loss in the clinic and in the book I literally talk through absolutely everything from how much sleep you should be getting your bone health from your relationship with food it's like having a, a session with me in mm. harley street that's kind of what i wanted to put in and so is there a lot of written dialogue and then a lot of recipes in there yeah it's 50 50 so 50 percent nutrition it's like your nutrition bible if you're at home and you don't know something i'm pretty confident most of the answers will be in there it even covers elements of fitness nutrition in there yeah. and then the other 50 percent recipes but i'm a bit nervous because i think i'm going against it, the season of diet culture so it's new year everyone <laughs> going to be but releasing. But once again, you have <laughs> to change it from the inside out and of course, get otherwise your book out there in January. Yeah. just go straight into that yo-yo mentality which mm. will be like they'll fast for a month or and then celebrity just, just bounce back in February, mm. yeah, which is never going to work. I know, I know. It's really, really tragic. But please, if anyone's listening, that diets do not work. There's a reason that saying is out there. They really don't. Have you notice that diets always start on a Monday as well? They do, <laughs> they like, do. I'm starting this on Monday. <laughs> I'm starting this in January. Like. Yeah, but we all want to hope and we all want to believe in something yeah, and yeah. you know I'm a Disney princess at heart I wanted to believe in <laughs> that I'd live in a castle one day yeah. I think. <laughs> you never know you might do you never know yeah. you never know exactly. I bet you'll end up there one day no. <laughs> and I know fitness has become a lot bigger part of your life the past year or so hasn't it I know and I think it's thanks to people like you Tally actually oh. and my friends that I now have in this industry because going back to social media I've honestly met my best and closest friends on social media so as much as it has negative aspects I've genuinely met people that are like-minded that I mm. can I can have conversations with because I never fit in at school you know I, I did I don't have any friends left that are close to me actually not a single one and not even at university because I was a mature student I was there to work I had to pay the bills and get out so now I'm in an industry where I go to classes of friends and I feel actually the fittest and healthiest I've ever been my entire life and I don't even work out that much but when I do it's so much more fun and how has that impacted your daily diet and your kind mm. of approach to nutrition completely it's made me um, become more aware that I need to be well, it's reinforcing what I've learned. I'm mm. fueling my fitness every single day, literally. And being more relaxed, I think, around what I eat. I live a very 80-20 kind of approach. And with that number, some people can be 90-10 or 60-40, whatever they want. And there's no such thing as good or bad food, but it's how you deal with your own unique body and composition exactly. and lifestyle. Exactly. It's got to work for you, hasn't it? Precisely. I think that's the biggest thing I take away from you, Rianne, and when I'm in your presence and when we talk about nutrition is that how individual and personal it is. And yeah. even though I'm asking you questions now about your own training and mm. your your food and your fitness, it kind of doesn't matter what you're doing in some respects because to each individual, like for me and for Ben as well, like yeah. we, we will need to do things yeah, a bit yeah, differently. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why it's so uh, great that everyone from, uh, you know, the people with Instagram influence as such are bringing out these books because you can cherry pick all the bits that mm, are right yes. for you and compile it into your own little Bible. And you don't just need one book, obviously. You know, You've you nailed it, Ben, because education is empowerment and that's what I want to do. If you empower people, they can make informed choices themselves. And I think what where we've gone wrong potentially in the media mm. is that we're telling people this means this. 
x mm. equals y and black equals y and it's not like that at all it literally is you are very unique genetically speaking your lifestyles i was talking about for instance veganism the other day with a client and i was trying to explain that some people are naturally adapted to live this way and others are not and it's a complete and utter personal choice and that's okay you can choose whatever way you want to eat yep. no one should judge you and some vegans may become anemic and others may not, even though the ones that do not have an iron deficiency don't really eat much iron. So you can't really, it just goes to show genetically and the way we're built, it's still a bit of a puzzle to scientists today. People are not too sure. It's interesting. It is so interesting. Mm. And so you have been in this industry for a while now. How long have you been a practicing nutritionist? I have been practicing now for around five years I think wow. roughly it's gone really quickly what would you say uh, I'm going to put you on the spot okay. what would you say are the three biggest things you have learned on your nutritionist journey whether that might be a nutrition thing or a personal thing or I don't know three things you've learned me as a person or nutritionally speaking however you want to okay. put it I think number one would definitely be the whole balanced food group kind of thing because for me I used to be completely carb phobic when I was, you know, singing and thinking that these th if I ate one item, suddenly mm. I would balloon overnight. So on a personal level and an educational level, every food group matters. They all work together and one will not make you suddenly put on weight. So carbs do not make you fat is the one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the biggest diet myth ever in the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's like out there for everyone. Um, the second would probably be me time. I think finding time to chill is a constant battle and struggle. I think mean, I'm not alone with that. I know everyone out there will have struggles with balancing their work life, their social life and their own time. And I'm starting to realise more than ever with the number of demands before Christmas, because Christmas is my busiest time of years, guys, mm. with clinic and Christmas isn't fun for everyone. And I think <laughs> that's something we should kind of bring up is that as much as I love it, the Christmas spirit, it means family times and that's not easy for everybody yeah. and they need support and food is a big factor for people. So finding me time is number two. Mm. That's been a big challenge. And finally, um, I think maintaining friendships is potentially the most important thing now that I value above probably everything in life. I think I put my friends above my career, above everything. I think they're the people that, for me, I didn't have a massively strong family background growing up, so I left home quite young. And I really appreciate having those people around you that are your kind of, you know, rocks. Mm. It, yeah. I think it's so true your vibe attracts your tribe it's one of my favourite mm. quotes and the people you surround yourself with especially yeah. later in life really help shape who you are completely they change how you see things on a daily basis yeah and do you have any regrets of anything you've done oh god it's such a question <laughs> <laughs> do I have regrets um, I think everybody does but I don't really look at them that way because my biggest regret is that maybe I didn't say no enough if you have to look that way because I used to be so scared of regretting things I'd say yes to everything <laughs> especially as a singer um, mm. you just say yes and jump when they tell you to jump you literally do say how high oh gosh yeah you do especially that must be like a, a crazy world to live in oh my goodness the gigs I've done and the people I've met traveling around the world it's been insane but I wouldn't say I think everything I've done has shaped me and brought me to where I am now so I don't really regret it actually which is quite nice are you gonna be sort of nutrition focused from now on is that that your career well um I've got some really exciting things coming up actually um I am staying in the field of nutrition indefinitely it is my passion um 
wholeheartedly and I will continue to study every single year because things change all the time yeah. I need to be up to date uh, there's, I'm doing a sports nutrition course at the moment at the same time as everything else and currently writing some other exciting things um, so yes nutrition the clinic I'm hoping because it's expanding I personally can't keep up with the amount of inquiries now so I'm hiring and people are going to be in the clinic next year I have retreats that are coming up hoping to do lots of very exciting things um, coming up which is great including a lot of traveling. Travel is a big thing of mine. So if mm. I can take food around the world, guys, I will do it. <laughs> I think people need the re-trition approach. I think they need it. The yeah. re-nourish, the re-trition. Take it to America. The retreats. Yeah. Yes. Retreats actually do seem to be becoming a lot more popular now because you can combine the travel and the health aspect and actually getting away with the people that you follow on Instagram and being a bit more up close and personal. So they seem to be, that's a really big industry now. Take people away from the city environment and the pressure. Well, not just the city, anywhere that you're working put you in a nice kind of because nice you house because you know you fun. can go to a yoga class or whatever mm. but within 45 minutes you're out and exactly. northern lines chaos and there's people <laughs> screaming down Oxford Street and so it's yeah. and once again it's surrounding yourself with like-minded people who are on your same wavelength and support your decisions and I think that's been one of the key things I don't know about you but I found with social media is mm. like you said before finding your true friends and the people who Massively. really have your best interests at heart I think you can really see through now on social media people that are in it for like you said yeah, for themselves. a business or a money mm. or themselves and people that are out there to give genuine advice and other people that are just documenting a journey there's kind of three different categories but it should always be taken with a pinch of salt anyway because a picture is a picture at the end of the day yeah. you can't read exactly. too much into it and that is why we wanted to do this podcast Yay. because it's been so <laughs> lovely to chat to you before we yeah. finish we have a couple of... Uh, statements. Statements. I call yeah, them precious yeah, days. Hopefully yeah. not. Ooh. So you're going to complete the following sentences. Okay. Oh, I love one at a time, statements. one at a time. Okay. The biggest misconception about me is... That I am a princess living in a fairyland. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Honestly, I, I think perhaps um, I'm a very upbeat, positive person. It's how I deal with life. It's how I get through it. It does not mean my life is perfect. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably a big misconception. I mean, I'm guessing that. I don't really get told this a lot, but I'm sure that it may come across that way sometimes. I think Instagram can do that sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's like a we snapshot, said. like we exactly. said. It doesn't yeah. show the full picture always. Completely, yeah. So the second one is, if there is one thing I can use my platform to change, it would be? Relationships with food, 100%. I honestly just am so... I don't, I don't even want to use the word passionate. I could really really get emotional about how I think it can destroy someone and make someone how you feel about food. And finally, my ultimate goal is to... My ultimate goal is to empower everybody with the knowledge that, yeah, I think everyone deserves and is entitled to have with regards to their health. That's amazing. Perfect. And I hope this has been uh, helped you in some small way to kind of reach more people and get the message out there. Because like we said... The book Renourish is out. We have a copy right in front of us. It looks brilliant. <laughs> it's it does, yeah. thick and meaty and so much information it's a bit in there. thick, isn't it? Yeah, I did write it quite a lot. This is good, though. This yes. is good. The people need the, the knowledge. <laughs> knowledge is power. It's fantastic. And this is out on the 28th of December. It is, yeah. So 28th of December, be sure to get your copy. Follow Rhiannon on at Retrition. You can hashtag Renourish as well hashtag now. Hashtag Renourish. I know, oh, hashtag. She has the dreamiest yeah. name for social media taglines. I mean, come on. Um, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you.